Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It was not a mistake in order to gain an advantage. Start talking with my head a bit more. <laughs> it's automatic. You, you arrive in Italy and just start using your hands. Yeah, uh, what was the question? <laughs> Okay, and that's Monza. Um, yeah, catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs> a little few, few surprises, but um, yeah, Monza's a funny track because it's very straightforward. Yeah, not yeah. a lot of technicalities to it. Bugger all elevation. Uh, most of the c- corners are nicely curved. Um, mm. The major cane off the straight is the only real tricky part you'll get at the at the front of the grid. But yeah. um, the thing I have been hearing is that they're talking of taking Monza off the track, and even though it's off the roster. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's a not the most exciting track in the world, you can't get rid of it. No, it's, there's no way. It's a traditional track, and it's an old-school track. Yeah. Um, you know, it does reward the better engine. Yeah. Which I think you, you need to have that on the race calendar. Yeah, exactly. And plus, the home of Ferrari, which is, oh yeah, you know, undoubtedly the biggest name in Formula One. And it's a track that... I mean, it's a beautiful track. You look at it amongst the forest there. Mm. You've got the old, um, the old Monza circuit with the banking and stuff. The fans there are crazy too. Uh, um, they'll rock up every time as the Italian Tafosi for their Ferrari mm. drivers and get really behind them. I mean, Japan's got the super fans and they're probably more crazy, but just as a one-sided uh, sort of event for Ferrari, it's amazing to see. Well, not just Ferrari. Uh, Ricardo, he has, yeah. uh, he's the away home team. I reckon there. <laughs> they fucking love him. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, that's our job to claim other people's sports stars. <laughs> <laughs> they can't just go pinching ours now. Um, but yeah, and you can see why he's a favourite amongst sort of the F1 journalists and even the drivers. Uh, you see, we post up on our website the after it was drivers press conference on Thursday where he's fist bumping oh, yeah. and, um, <laughs> Ericsson and and our signs for their yeah. birthdays, and, and they asked him, you know, how do the how do the Italians greet you? And then just yeah. gestured wildly. <laughs> yeah, just starts moving his hands about. <laughs> But yeah, I thought um, for Monza, usually you get a pretty straightforward race. And I think this season, one of the keys to enjoying Formula 1 has been ignoring the top two and sort of seeing what happens sort of below there. But it was good to see that... The- yeah, unfortunately, Rosberg's been doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, he did uh, had water leak into his engine or something. Uh, the brand new Mercedes engine, the updated, they've used all their tokens now. And it looks pretty phenomenal. But he's broke. Um, was it in well no it was, they came in on on Saturday and water had leaked in it uh, or something yeah someone put the uh, gasket in upside down or some yeah, bullshit I think it was Lewis's dad I, know, I literally just made that up but that sounds logical yeah we'll run with that um, so they stuck the old engine in uh, that one had already done six races yeah we saw the results of what happened with that engine still faster than pretty much most of the other cars yeah but um, yeah we'll, we'll go to quali um, yep. it was pretty interesting really Ricardo and uh, Red Bull and even Toro Rosso were always going to be at the back of the grid. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just lucky they took their penalties early. Yeah. Well, there's been lots of complaints about this the ridiculous penalties, and we've got a list of them here. There's Marcus Ericsson had a three-spot grid penalty. Carlos Sainz had a 35-place grid penalty. 
Danny Kvyat, 35. Dan Ricardo, 50. Jensen Button, just to know I sold five for Jensen this weekend, and Fernando got 10. Max Verstappen's got 30, and that was it. So you've got a total of, well, I can't be fucked doing that maths, but there's a shit ton of... 70, 120, 130, 138. It's ridiculous to to impose any sort of penalty like that. So I'm glad they've had that common sense to not impose them in the following Grand Prix now because they've looked at it and gone, this is absolutely killing sport from a spectacle point of view. 160 out of Miss Verstappen. Yeah, that's why I said, just fuck it. <laughs> just plenty. Hey, I'm, I'm actually stoked that I managed to, I don't know, channel my inner math agent. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad effort. Yeah, yeah I was thinking, I can only count up to usually 9 or 21 being a former croupier. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so when you look at the the grid, all the teams that weren't in the running for a win just took the engine changes and looked at it as a bit of a development curve, I think. And especially for what the why the penalties were incurred, there's a good case that the team should be penalised, uh, maybe a financial penalty or something like that, but not the driver. Um, especially for one of the things that are out of the driver's control. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with penalising the driver because it, it is all in the same. Um, teams that should be providing a reliable engine that has you know is fuel efficient on everything Renault has just gone well fuck it we're not spending any money this year we don't give a fuck yeah um, done the big F you to Red Bull pretty much but they've they've been doing all season I don't blame Red Bull for being pissed because yeah. Renault have not developed their engine yeah and they're paying uh, they still pay for engines from Renault don't they no they get them for free and really? actually they make uh, by dumping Renault they're going to drop 88 million dollars in sponsorship from Infinity in total Oh, yeah. Well, that's fair enough. You'd probably pick up a little bit from Ferrari. Well, they probably... I, I don't know the deals, but I can't imagine them paying for them for, from Ferrari just because to develop the engine, they have to give telemetry to Ferrari. Uh, and yeah. that's standard. Like, Williams would be giving telemetry. Uh, Force India would be... Yeah, well, uh, they usually stick uh, one of the engineers from the engine department in exactly the team. So. so, yeah, it's sort of a direct, direct really. Yeah, so budget. while you wouldn't have, you know, full telemetry with tyre pressures and temperatures and everything... As long as you've got everything from the engine, yeah, you you'd have an idea about their gearbox. Yep. If if they're not buying a Ferrari gearbox as well, I yeah. don't know yet. Um, so you can pretty much gauge exactly how their chassis is behaving. Yeah, um, which if Ferrari are no slouches in building nice chassis. No, um, well, you've got um, James Allison there now, yeah. who's absolutely phenomenal at developing. He's sort of just behind Adrian Newey in that respect. Exactly, and if you can sort of get Adrian Newey's cheat sheet. You can yeah. see his answers. Yeah. Fuck, Ferrari is going to be a monster team in another couple of years. And look, I think that's what's been holding McLaren back. Apparently, um, it's pretty reliable source uh, data that their chassis is the second best behind Red Bull because they actually got a lot of Red Bull's aero people mm. um, over the, the winter break or their winter break. Over gardening. Yeah, yeah. They got Peter Prodrumu back. He was supposed to have a, a bit of a gardening leave, but remember there was um, Dan Fallows who was... A, signed with McLaren and then they've gone actually nah I might start Red Bull now and so I think in in order to facilitate sort of that reneging on the deal they asked for um, Peter Padrumi to be released from his gardening leave earlier which was at the end of last year I think and you can really see his impact on just look at their front wing and look at their aero philosophy how it's changed mm-hmm. and, and tightened up but unfortunately Honda just aren't on the same page and they're not interested in developing money uh, developing their, their engine by bringing in outside people which, I mean, from a business standpoint, it makes sense because they want to be able to learn to build their own engines, not just hire or buy engines. That, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Not buy expertise. They want to have internal expertise. Yeah. Which, you know, it's the old teach men to fish or yeah. 
give him a fish shit. kind of thing. But I think God and he'll feed you. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's very smart of Honda business to do it this way. Uh, especially next year, they'll have another uh, another chassis running around. Yeah, but um, it will be frustrating for McLaren and especially for Jensen Button, who hasn't really been at home for a couple of years. Yeah, he hasn't looked threatening. No, um, no. And he's done a wonderful job at PR because he hasn't lost his cool and reigns as sort of eloquent and mm. not cunty as he can be in the post post race interviews, which must be tough being yeah. a world champion. I I really honestly do think he'll end up in endurance championship following Weber. Yeah, I hope so because I think it just brings that that league up a bit with sort of a viewing audience because mm. like I, I'd watch it more often because yeah, I tell you what, once you're over thirty. The WEC would be fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be actually a great league. It's like um, F1 from the 80s, except safer. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, the drivers all belt around, and, yep. you know, while they're not in the car and the other drivers are flying around at the 24 hours of the morning or whatever, yeah. you know, they'll catch up and have a bit of a chat. Yeah. You know, that they'll play poker afterwards and probably get on the booze yeah, um, make, once the race is over. Make fun of the Formula E lads who couldn't make it in WEC, <laughs> or the rest of the Formula 1 drivers. <laughs> yeah, and then swear at Hulkenberg. <laughs> yeah. But, um, oh, look, I... I think his his threatening days of F1 are done. Yeah, yep. And with the Honda um, engine as well, um, it's really screwing McLaren because uh, apparently Johnny Walker is done. He's, they kept on walking out the door with their $12 million or something and Santander are out as well at the end of the season. That's $20 million of sponsorship down the drain and it doesn't look like it's going to improve a whole lot for next year. And the thing is, if you remember... Um, I think it, yeah, it was Johnny Walker tried to re-sign their, uh, real renegotiate their sponsorship contract for forty-five million dollars. I think it was Shit. two years ago. And remember, Ron denied it because he reckoned that McLaren were worth more. And he wasn't going to sell them out cheap. Yeah, yeah. I think Ron's made a fair few bad calls in the last few years, and uh, things aren't going to get easier for him. So, for fuck's sake, I love McLaren. I want to see him go good. So I just hope they can shift Ron Dennis into the the sort of commercial McLaren side and bring Ross Braun back and have him build that team again. Well, yeah, I mean, Braun's obviously spectacular what he does. Um, I mean, he pretty much set up the whole structure for Mercedes. So that was Braun. Well, and, yeah. And then he got the English, they got the English guy who's most successful to come set it up for him. And then when he'd done it, he, they went, well, you've already done it now. <laughs> I dare say he would have had a nice little uh, golden handshake on the way out there. Yeah, I'm sure he gave him a fair fucking spray too. Well, you know, Engineers aren't really known for their um, politically correctness. Or the Germans. Yeah, especially on the Germans. <laughs> so, yeah. So, qualifying um, was about what you expected. You had Lewis up there with, with Rosberg. Sorry, Rosberg, without the upgraded engine. Uh, just fell in behind. And it was good to see Kimi get one over Sebastian in qualifying, at least. Yeah, I think um, Weber had a comment earlier this week about how this is the weakest F1's ever been outside of the top ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually think he's got a point. Yeah. Because cars have slowed down so much now yep. that the G-Force has just done the same. Yeah. And, you know, Weber wasn't good enough to beat Vettel. I'm making no excuses there. Yeah. But his big advantage was always the fact that he's a big fucking bloke. Yeah. Um, he's 186 centimetres. Vettel's 177 or something around that. Fucking Felipe Mass is 166. Yeah, he's tiny. He's a midget. And I think um, Alonso's about 170. Yeah. So all these guys are under... Five nine, yeah, mostly, and Weber's about six one six two. Yeah, I think him and Hulkenberg were the biggest. Yeah, but the advantage of having that size, you've got that muscle mass, so you yeah. can fight the G forces. Yeah, um, and the G forces aren't there anymore. Yeah, uh, it's not 
in the cornering speed, they're pretty close to where they were 10 years ago. But when you look at the lap records, uh, yeah. they're all from 2004-2005, yeah. back when the V10s are screaming around. Um, and it's a good like eight seconds off yeah. some of the lap records. Yep. Well, um, they've got their group to talk about that, and um, they're going to bring in some changes. of 2017, I believe, they're going to simplify the front wings, and they're going to allow um, more underbody work so they can have more ground effect. And then mm. the rest of it, there's something else they're going to do to make up for the rest of the... I think it was in the eight, eight um, electronic power unit. Uh, okay. But, yep. um, you know, as a, as a quick example, fastest uh, quality was 123. Uh, yep. point three, which is Hamilton, and in the race it was one twenty six six, which was the purple yeah. lap. Um, try and find the record. Probably should have checked this earlier. No, we can edit. It's all good. Um, I remember seeing. Wait, checking that. I remember seeing there. Someone posted. I think it might be on Twitter or something. It was one Pablo Montoya's fastest lap around Monza, or he had the highest average yes, speed. Yeah, it was yep, like I saw averaged one hundred sixty six miles per hour or something just ridiculous like that. Yeah. Uh, 162.9 miles per hour, and Damn. he did it in 119.5. So Jesus, that's four seconds faster than the quali car. Yeah. Um, um, so that's seven seconds faster. Yeah. Than the race spec uh, that Hamilton was running in, and part of that is too that there's no in in race refueling, so the cars yeah. are as heavy as they're going to be at the start, and they're as light as they're going to be at the end when the race is already decided. Yeah. But um, again, like we've mentioned before, why let that happen? Why not give points for fastest lap? Yep. Because as it is, Hamilton, you know, he kept pushing right to the end because he thought he was going to get a penalty. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk about in a bit. But um, why not give people points so that you've got uh, guys who are out of position? Like, well, if you looked at Ericsson and Ricardo battling for that last lap uh, position, it yeah. would have more at stake there. So you might have seen Kvyat push a bit harder or have a different engine mode to catch up to that one. To Yeah, or even Hulkenberg. He was a good 10 seconds behind his teammate Perez. Yeah. But with that space, he could then go, well, fuck, I'm going to go for a, a point or you know, two or whatever you give the fast lap yeah. uh, as a bonus. But it just it makes sense to me. If yeah. you want exciting racing, give points for pole, yep. just so you've got people giving it an honest go rather yeah. than trying to save tyres, yep. and give yeah. points for um, fastest lap. Yeah, I And agree. it doesn't have to be fucking stupid. Like, you know, in NASCAR, they give points for... Or, bonuses for pit stop and unlapping yeah, for unlapped. this and that but I mean you go around a circle you've got to make interesting stuff well yeah so. it should be a point and even if it's just three for pole two for second on the grid one for third just yep. minor points yep. don't need to be anything big yeah just a little bit so you've got something sort of some interest coming into that race because um, we saw in FE like we discussed on those podcasts mm. and it made that, that final race just really enjoyable really awesome and it's a much better idea than offering the double points in the last round that they tried yeah, for a year and the fan boost was dumb um, yeah got nothing on that yeah, I think that'll be gone um, look not a bad thing to trial see how it goes but yeah it's just not necessary anymore um, we've got, got the fan base watching it yeah um, um, instead of fan boost maybe they should just you vote on who you want to I don't know have the camera on or yeah. some shit I don't know yeah. like they just put a GoPro on the helmet of some bloke and you know Buemi gets it or some shit I don't know but um, I think we call those put GoPros on random people like some of the the, the marshals around the track or something I wonder <laughs> so why they you, don't you just flick, flick through and see sort of a F1 weekend through the eyes of someone else or, or maybe someone got Periscope going on their phones or something that'd be pretty maybe. sweet actually probably illegal <laughs> it'd also be funny if um, they were a bit vociferous it's like yeah. here comes Rosberg that fucking and he's like whoa hang on. that hasn't been proved yet champ alright so we need him at Melbourne GP because <laughs> that's what it's going to be like actually how did he become a marshal 
pretty much just take a course. All right. So you need to be level two cams in Australia, and then you sign up and volunteer. All right. So if we can't get media credentials, probably gonna put my name down to be a marshal. As, I, as long as I, don't, as as I don't have to be responsible for anything. <laughs> I'll make it my mission to uh, steal a bit of Pastor Maldonado's car if he's still got a ride. Well, I mean, that would be too hard because there's probably going to be left bits of it all over the track. So, Oh, even if he hasn't, if he just parks in Park Ferme, fuck it, he's going to come back to that <laughs> and that motherfucker is going to look like it's been left out of Frankston. No rear wing, no engine cover, no front wing. <laughs> probably, fact, probably, probably two wheels gone. End up down in Frankston too or something. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny as hell leaving the car park and you've got this tiny little bucket seat. Yeah. Like, uh, you sure that's what you came in with? <laughs> you know, I'm driving a fucking Mitsubishi Lancer with this tiny little... You know, three foot seat. Yeah, totes bloke. Yeah, you're, going to, a- you're going to Frankston Shopping Centre with some fat chick in trackies and a thong pushing her six kids around in this uh, <laughs> torn up fucking old. Um, what's he driving these days? Well, he's not driving. Lotus. Well, anyway, back to this one. There, there was no real surprises. Um, Rosberg dropping back. Uh, if you know, if he had the proper engine, yeah. you'd probably say it was surprised to see him behind Ferrari. Yeah. But I think it's with a, the older engine, it's not really such a shock. Because I think Ferrari used tokens for this um, this Grand Prix on the engine as well. It was updated engine. Yeah. And apparently, uh, Kimi was saying that that was responsible for their good qualifying performance and also yeah. for him being able to push through the grid from his fucked up start. Yeah. So if Red Bull do get the engine, then it's looking not too bad for him. They'll be competitive. Yeah, I thought uh, Perez qualified really well. Um, yeah. Massa got one on Bottas, yep. which is, yeah. you know, uh, he hasn't really been able to do that for a while. Plus, uh, it's almost a second home for him. Yeah, and Grosjean backed up a good result at the last GP mm. with uh, qualifying eighth. So, yep. make it through to Q3. Be pretty happy with that. Doing his part to try and push up the value of uh, Lotus before he gets sold, Yeah, and then doing his part to <laughs> drop the value in the race. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to the, the race. Uh, it was good to see Vettel was able to push Hamilton for quite a ways. Yeah, um, yeah in the opening stint um, also you know one lap for both Lotuses uh, I think Romain got um, shunted uh, someone ran up the backside of him I think and broke the suspension but Maldonado just went off track and fucked his car again the same as he did last time when <laughs> when Weber was saying outside of the top 10 it's never been weaker he's the guy he's talking about Maldonado yeah, yeah. Uh, he's finished what two three races this year uh, I think so yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure and you can't do that as an F1 driver. No. Like, even if you say, oh, you know, the car's a bit shit. Yeah. If your teammate's finishing a majority of races, and yeah. Grosjean's not any brilliant driver by any means. Yeah. Um, he's an, a knob. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, when when you're consistently getting beaten by Marussia, yeah. because they finish, yep. uh, you've got a fucking issue. Um, Maldonado has no business being an F1. Uh, yeah. absolutely near zero and I think Grosjean is very fucking lucky to have a ride I don't think he'll have it next year I think both of those drives will be gone yeah well it'll all depend on what their contracts are going to say as well but Remains might stay there just because he's French and if Renault buy it the French team the French driver could be a marketing point for him if Lotus stay um, I think you'll need some cash coming in um, Pasta I don't really see how you can keep him I think like he's definitely got talent because you don't win in a fun race without talent but you've got to be able to rein that talent in and, and control it and sort of develop but it's almost like he's going backwards yeah he won the Williams oh yeah yeah that's right that was so damn Lice, long ago flag finish yeah. absolutely amazing race by him too it was brilliant yeah there was no one to crash into yeah but the thing is qualified on pole took it home and that's I mean right, yeah. he definitely got talent you know so it's almost frustrating watching him just fuck it up well kind of entertaining <laughs> well the, the thing is too he's too arrogant to learn yeah, like yeah, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't develop that talent, it's useless. 
Yeah. Um, and when you see the way he drives now, it's like he, he knows he's driving wrong, yeah. but he's too stubborn to try and change his style. Yeah, I agree. And look, it's all always going to be a matter of going for gaps, uh, riding the limit, but he just doesn't have the feel for it. Yeah, and it's a matter of finishing. And like you said, um, you'll learn from your sp- mistakes, and it's not what you say, it's what you do, because he's stubborn as fuck, but... You look at um, Verstappen, who's still stubborn in the media, but you can see by his driving, he is learning and he's picking things up and he is sort of applying what, what, he, what he's been told. But uh, outward appearance, stubborn, but you've got to be as an F1 driver. You've got to you know, have that confidence and not oh, get beat up. I was way more stubborn than him at 17, and I had no reason to be. <laughs> there is no... Yeah, good idea that no one ever gave me a racing car at 17. No, I was... Um, I was 17 and I had a penis and wasn't afraid to use it. <laughs> I would be Maldonado in all over the place. <laughs> Let alone if you're in a Formula 1 car, which is pretty much you yeah. know, a $20 million rocket penis. I would have Maldonado myself on the Silver City Highway. <laughs> but um, Shit, what was I talking about? I forgot. <laughs> Maldonado, I hope you had no business in F1. Oh, that's um, right. But yeah, look, uh, sticking in Formula E, they're allowed to do that side bumping and stuff. It was fantastic. I mean, you can have him and Prost in there. I'll tell you what, he would, look out. he would rip it up in V8 supercars. I'll tell you what, you need probably double elbows for those guys. They'd be sticking about <laughs> nice and wide. And so, yeah, so and this thing, yeah. there's talented drivers out there, like really talented drivers. It's just a matter of being in the right situation and having some cash at the moment. Look, uh, where do you see Hockenberg being next year? I think he's signed with Force India yesterday or something. So oh, he's definitely bad. staying there. Yeah. So I'd... I want to see him in a better car because Force India, they're they're making up the numbers. They're yeah. they're know, doing all right. I think they're punching above their weight a little bit. Yeah, when they, they can't develop, but they've the, paid most of their bills now, which is good. But they're yeah. not really. There's nothing about them that says you got to look out for them. Yeah, yeah. Like if there's a Force India ahead of you, you're like, well, well if you're in a a Red Bull, a Ferrari, or a, a Williams or a Mercedes, you're like, yeah. well, it's just a matter of time before I get by these guys. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then Sauber are like, oh, these guys are in the race too. Yeah. Cool. And Sauber are another one that are just kind of there and thereabouts. You're not sure if they're going to be able to maintain their position in F1 or if they're on the outer. But um, they've got some cash behind them now with their drivers. So I think they'll probably be around for another few seasons. And I mean, Peter Sauber's been involved in F1 for a long time. So mm. you want to see them remain in those those teams. Yeah, but it's it's kind of like Sauber are a poor man's Williams. Yeah, yeah. You know, Williams have managed to have some off-track success with their technology and they've really invested as if they're going to be in Formula 1 for the next 50 years. Yeah, uh, Sauber have invested as if they're trying to just get that little bit of profit for the next few years. And maybe they're just trying to build up to a premiership window in 10 years' time. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's not the dumbest way to do things because plenty of teams come in and out. Well, I mean, you have to have some sort of strategy like that, um, some sort of aim or goal that you mm. renegotiate each season. But you have to think that your ultimate goal has to be winning the championship Maybe, the, from what I understand, they're one of the few teams that actually see a bit of return on their investment. Really? Um, yeah. Not not a great amount. Yeah. I think any, uh, any return for some of that's I think a lot of it's on tax write-offs. <laughs> yeah, probably right to are they Swiss or... Yeah. yeah. But, uh, there, there would be some um, creative accounting. Yeah, probably sponsored by uh, Brazilian government and <laughs> that's where all their money's gone. <laughs> Or in the Swiss offshore accounts. Or in Mexico. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, Sergio, your uncle's doing our taxes, yes? Oh, yes. Hang on, the Mexicans clean their, their money through the, the banks in... Um, Caribbean? In, no, I think it was in one of the Chinese banks, wasn't it? HSBC got done for like oh, 400 yeah, yeah. squillion fucking drug money dollars or some shit. And anyway. they sort of shrugged their shoulders and everyone just went, well, I don't know. But actually, hey, look, with Mexico having a Grand Prix on the grid this season... Um, 
Wouldn't it be great to see like a Mexican team come up with cashed up drug dealer money? <laughs> yeah, we've got a budget of uh, $1.2 billion. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Well, ima- imagine them trying to ship all their sh- equipment around the globe. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be get searched thoroughly like every single port? <laughs> well, in fairness, Brazil do have a lot of drivers and <laughs> yeah, cars true. coming in out. So, look, uh, it, it, it's no Ecuador or, or Colombia, but yeah. it's not far off. Well, they can just claim it's personal use for Flavio Briatore or someone. Flavio's already bribed everyone. <laughs> yeah, but, that's true. Um, just not very well. <laughs> um, but yeah, when you look at the uh, the races, you go through it. It's it's pretty much what you what you expected to happen. Hamilton just got out of the front and really never looked in trouble. Yeah. Um, Vettel did really well to stick to him, put pressure on him, but he was never going to get past. Um, Vettel is brilliant in open air. But the criticism of him has always been that he struggles to find ways to get past. And part of that was in Red Bull, the car isn't made for passing. It's made for yeah. you know, high aero. Yeah. So it it doesn't really like being in dirty air. Um, and the Ferrari seems to have a similar sort of issue. Mercedes hates being behind other cars. Yeah. But, you know, that's just the way you've got to make the cars these days. Um, it would be interesting if uh, one of the uh, teams did make a car that uh, was built for dirty air because they're like well we're not going to be in front yeah I mean maybe Williams are forcing you to go fuck it we'll just do that yeah we'll have crazy high downforce on the front and we'll deal with it well it's something they have to consider for sure but they I qualify think, like a bastard though yeah but I think that's what one of the ideas behind the regulations uh, that they're talking about for 2017 with um, simplifying front wings a bit and allowing development of the underbody so you can get the ground mm. effect because also apparently it'll clean the air up um, or the, the wash from behind the car well yeah because you're getting more air underneath the car and blowing it out. Yeah. So there's more volume of air coming behind the car. can't remember the exact things I'm going to do. If I find it, I'll, I'll uh, tweet it or put it on our website or something. Um, yeah, it's, it's out there, so you can be able to find it. Yeah, I'm still surprised they're not going the IndyCar route and enclosing the rear wheels. Yeah, oh, that's one idea. Um, speaking of um, uh, things that aren't enclosed, one of the exciting things was the Toro Rosso, Max Verstappen's oh, yeah. engine cover getting blown off. Yeah, he uh, lifted the skirt. His car looked absolutely fantastic without the engine cover off going around the around the track. I think I think you've inadvertently found a new way to make F1 cars look cool again. <laughs> and it would have been running cool too. So maybe yeah. maybe it had a power boost. I don't know. Probably wasn't terribly efficient with uh, with aerodynamics. Yeah, a bit but, of drag. Yeah, hey, hey, you got to compromise. But uh, yeah, maybe you could have um, like like the Miss Universe. You've got the talent section, and then you've got the swimmer Cock section. Se- oh no, oh. different Miss Universe. Oh <laughs> no. I'd- if they got that section, I'm going next year. But, um, you know, so you just get an idea of everything about the car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. And uh, the thing with the start as well, Kimmy had a bit of trouble getting off the line. Apparently, Oh, he's copped shit for that. Yeah, apparently the clutch set is engaged, but it, I think Alex Davison did an excellent um, analysis during the coverage for Sky. Made some really good points, and, I mean, I'm a bit retarded in the technical stuff which comes to a gearbox but he had me convinced he knew what he was talking about so he was saying with the dog clutch it was said it was engaged but it was just kind of uh, slipped on it or not quite um, yeah. sat in it and so when he's applied the power to it it just jumped off and then he's had to re-engage it well anti still kicked in he's re-engaged it he's dropped all the way back to last and it was a fantastic effort by every driver on the grid to avoid him because um, Rosberg who's directly behind him obviously it's easy for him to get out of the way but the cars at the back have built up, you know, a, a fuck ton of speed by the time they get to Kimi. And all of them got out of the way and Kimi went off and drove an amazing race to get back to seventh, I believe. Yeah, and that's the the funny thing is... Or fifth. Yeah, he, he managed to get quite up there. Um, yeah. Just behind his uh, 
compatriot. Yeah. I think Arriva Benny still tried to say it was Kimmy's fault. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, well, he can say what the fuck he wants, yeah, I guess. Look, I don't mind him. I think he's a pretty fucking cool cat. I mean, yeah. half time it's like he's going to fall asleep talking because he's just voicing <laughs> deeper and deeper and not enough. But um, look, yeah, he's doing what he needs to do at Ferrari and they're going well and it seems that he's not getting involved in everything. He's not about being a personality there like uh, Luca de Montezemolo was. Mm. He's just happy, chilling out, drinking his um, short blacks and giving the occasional quip to the media. But such a cool motherfucker, man, walking around the paddock with his slick back hair and shit. Well, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, Almost getting run over in the, in the pits. <laughs> I can't remember who that was. Almost ran him over. But even a cool motherfucker just casually gets out the way like a like a sir. Yeah. Uh, um, we mentioned Hockenberg earlier. Um, he did finish behind Perez, but he did say that uh, he was having a bit of trouble with the downforce. Yeah. So there might have been some sort of issue there. And with the downforce being so important, you don't know whether it's a driver's um, mental state that yeah. affects the way the car feels to them or whether it's an actual physical uh, downforce issue. Because it, it's such a... a a minor thing that has a major effect that you can't quite quantify on track. Well, especially since the drivers can't see sort of any of the aero bits. They don't know yeah. if things are missing or it could be just simple things like um, the marbles, which is mm. all the rubber from the car, from the tyres, getting stuck in between front wing elements or yeah. um, anywhere. And that does have an effect on how the car handles. But the team, I think the team said they weren't sure what it was, but Nico insisted that there was a problem with it. Um, yeah, that's the funny thing. Like That can happen... And you trust him, because he yeah. knows what he's talking about. Hulkenberg gets like... Uh, a bit of rubber stuck in the DRS so it doesn't open properly or close properly. Mm. And it affects his race so much. And then, yet, over in um, Hungary, uh, Ricardo gets the whole side of his side pod ripped off and yeah. still manages to get a podium. Yeah. It's, it's a, just sort of the rubber of the green, isn't it? Yeah. I, it's just... <laughs> you, you don't know how that works. And I guess um, it was lucky that it was on the right-hand side and it was a clockwise track. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you, you got more right-hand turns than left, and the arrow on that part doesn't really have a lot of effect. Yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to have um, asymmetrical arrow in F1. It has to be symmetrical at all times. Um, yeah, I think you're right on that one as well, on, on arrow parts. Um, I think cooling they're allowed to have, like, cooling oh, yeah. channels on one, but yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right with arrow. And the other thing was, because um, Kimi was a bit late getting off the line, it allowed the, both the Williams to get in front of Rosberg, uh, so he was looking on the back foot from the start, but he undercut him in the first pit stop, which was pretty smart by, mm, by good strategy. Um, uh, Mercedes got him ahead, and towards the end he was chasing down Vettel, and they turned his engine up to try and get ahead, <laughs> and obviously it blew. And the thing is, obviously that sucks for for Nico for his season and that, but I do like the attitude from Mercedes to just go yeah. for it and say, look, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but we're got our constructors. You know, we know that's not going nowhere. We want to give you that chance to get ahead and minimise the damage you're going to cause chasing that championship because obviously second isn't no use to again this season. So I like that strategy and I like the fact that they went for it. Do you think they just sort of thought, oh, fuck it, just go for it. Otherwise, you're going to be bitching and whinging forever. Yeah, well, I'm sure probably the people at Mercedes were like, well, we don't have anything to lose really. So, (laughs) I mean... Our jobs are safe. And I don't think they're terribly scared of Nico, let's be honest. No, he's a bit of a powder puff. But... uh, you know, the other big mover going from nineteenth to eighth, obviously, is Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. Um I can't have, I can't see him finishing any higher up than that. No. Um I think that was as high as they could expect with their penalties and with the Renault engine. Yeah. Um, especially um got a bit of a better rub of the green with the two lotuses being retired in the first lap as well. Retarded. 
Yeah, both of those. Yeah. <laughs> both of those. Um, bit of rumour they might miss races too. Which yeah, of course they don't. I did, he- I did hear that. Um, where they smoke this fire. Yeah, they're they're in all sorts of shit. Um, yeah. And Renault has is pretty much going to buy the team. They may as well just come out and say it now. I mean, the good thing is they'll be able to use those engines next year as well because there's fuck all mileage on any of the engines they use. They hardly finish a race. Yeah, and let's be honest, they're going to be the exact same fucking engines because they're not doing any work to it. Yeah. Um, but it, how many how many laps do you reckon Lotus have actually done? Yeah. Have they done enough for a full weekend? Yet. Like in both, both cars for like FP1, 2, 3 and qualifying and practice. It'd be interesting because, you know, seven know. laps and... Uh, I don't reckon they've done more than probably 500 laps. Yeah. McLaren blowing up again. Um, Fernando's, they've split the strategies and had one on the prime at the start, one on the Mm. option at the start, and they were coming close together. Fernando was just catching Jensen. Bang goes the engine, and you're sat back in there. That was the only thing that uh, Jensen or Fernando can look forward to during the race, is racing each other. Mm. And it actually would have added a bit of excitement to the the end of the Grand Prix for the back of the grid. Well, they're two quality drivers. I'd I'd put Alonso above... uh, button in a heartbeat yep. it will be interesting to see how they go next year because I, I would say if in the first few races they're not in the points yeah. uh, Alonso is going to feel pretty pissed well I'd love to see Alonso if, if he's not sort of competitive next season you have to think that he starts looking elsewhere not in Formula 1 like going across to uh, WEC which he's talked about uh, what he wanted to do like we've discussed on our mm. podcast well I think the, the thing with it though is with 2017 the new engine's coming in if he's yeah. struggling in 2016 they can still say, well, look, 2017, this is what we've been building towards. Yeah. Because um, Honda, they're not going to win races this year. No, no chance. And next year, I can't see it happening either. Yeah. But 2017, that would be where they're putting their eggs in. Yeah. Um, these two years are development years, and they want to start winning races in 2017. And all it takes is that one little innovation. Like, as we see with Mercedes, with their split turbo. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's not the only thing that's helped them, but it's given them an extra few brake horsepower yeah um, apparently their suspension is, is one of the keys as well oh yeah they've put together the best package uh, the yeah. aero is on point their suspension their whole chassis uh, and when it integrates with the engine and the gearbox and everything fantastic we've seen very few retirements yep um, and you know this a seven a seven race engine that's done probably 500 odd laps mm. uh, has finally given up yep F1 engines aren't designed to run that long yeah, exactly. Like, I think they were they supposed to do four on them or something like that. And I think they're supposed to be pushing it. Yeah. Um, and again, you could you could build an engine that would last the whole season. It would just be slow as fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, whenever there's sort of, you know, a hundredth to be gained, then the teams will take that risk to try and, try and push it and get there and get their engine to be better than all the rest, obviously. Well, yeah, if you've got an engine that's got a, uh, a 5% failure rate, but it's 10% off the pace... You can wear it being a 20% failure rate if you're on pace. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, you can also look at developing um, sort of more power into it and not being afraid of blowing up all your all your equipment. Well, yeah, because one win is better than, you know, 20 tenths. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, as the as the race unfolded, with um, Monza being the way it is, you, you don't get a lot of um, surprises because most sectors are pretty similar. Yeah. Um, straights followed by nice sweeping curves um, generally none of them tighten or loosen they're all consistent around the curve yep um, which uh, I think no, I think one of them does but it's not uh, there's nothing surprising about it yeah, yeah like exactly. you don't have to really pay a shit ton of attention that 
the couple of chicanes and the the bump as you're coming off into the instep yeah. of the uh, of the track, if you like. Um, there's only bits where you're really twitchy, but everything else you're pretty much flooring it, going through the gears quickly, and even the uh, turns eight, nine, ten on the instep of the sock. Yeah, uh, you're taking those pretty flat out. And we did see a couple of guys turn into straight lines. Yeah, and, and I think that's where they were saying, I think other Alex Davison was giving an analysis where that's where you pick up your, your tenth or your mm. two tenths that makes a difference. And the way he explained it with how you set up that racing line and, and how you benefit from it was actually really interesting. Yeah. And it's always funny, those little tweaks. And yeah. you know, anyone who's ever um, driven Monza, even on PlayStation, yep. uh, it's funny because you think, I'll just go flat in, brake hard, and then take the turn. But it's funny that if you brake a little bit earlier and then keep a, a high average speed through it, you come out so fucking quicker. Yeah, and you get you set yourself up for that better line coming out to um, follow up onto that little straight there. Yeah, and into Parabolica. And I, I remember when I was doing I picked up a second in that fucking uh, chicane alone. Yeah, and speaking of, of PlayStation, Max Verstappen said that a lot of um, his success recently in overtaking that is that he's been practicing on, on computer games and trying different overtaking maneuvers and just having a cracker in real life and they're sticking, so... Well, yeah, I mean, I can... Well, you don't have a license, so... <laughs> well, I can understand that too because if the PlayStation version of Kimi Raikkonen is probably just the same as the real version of Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, it says about as much as him too. Yeah. <laughs> Zero fucks given on either side. <laughs> Pretty much. But, um, yeah, one thing I do like about Monza is the... The first chicane off the off the line because yeah. all you always, whenever there's a high speed corner, drivers get loose. Yeah, uh, we saw we, we've seen that every race this year. There's generally been contact in the first corner. Yep. Um, I do think this is the way uh, to go if you're designing a circuit. Yep. Have a, a low speed chicane so that the cars have to give each other space. Yep. They don't get up to flat chat before they get there. Yeah. And they can sort of navigate their way around. There's still going to be a bit of rubbing. Yep. Um, as long as it's tire to tire, yeah, you're fine. And even if there's a little bit of lateral movement, it's when you get like a, a 30 degree uh, difference between the two cars that they yeah. can spear into each other. That's when you get crashes and that's when you get late braking and people being dumb. Yeah, and I think if you want to see an example of how um, turn one, what it should look like, you check out the Austin circuit. We've got the nice wide on yeah. sort of the outside. You've got a nice wide area, so all the cars can get through there. And even the driver's comments on it said, it's a fucking genius idea, and it's amazing that, you know, um, how, what's your name, fucking Herman? Tilky. Tilk, the, yeah. Builds amazing buildings, but his circuit's pretty pretty shit, to be honest. Actually, Austin's very good, so well, he's been listening to the criticism. Tilk's kind of like Pirelli. Uh, you, you can't be mad at him when he fulfills the brief. Because when he's told to build a circuit, he's not told to build something exciting, something that really grips yeah. the drivers and tears them a new one. And generally they're told, don't listen to the drivers. Yeah. He's probably told, build something that won't get me sued when drivers crash. Build, build something that'll make oil happy, oil rich um, yeah. capitalist nations <laughs> happy as fuck. Pretty much. And look, maybe he can design a brilliant one if he's not given that oversight. But all you can do is give the actual layout to a racing driver and he can build the buildings and surroundings and he does a fantastic job of that. Yeah, there'll be a fucking loop-de-loop in there. That'd be fantastic. I actually, always thought... That'd actually, be brilliant. I'd love to see that. Yeah. I want to see a banked hairpin, but I've been thinking about this for ages. I think I might have told it to you, but I actually saw... Well, they do at um, Nürburgring. A banked hairpin? Well, no. it's not a full hairpin, but it's... Um, no, I mean like almost like vertical banked hairpin, like NASCAR style, but steeper banked hairpin. So you can almost go 
not flat out, but you've got that many racing lines where you're going to almost carry your speed through there. Yeah. But apparently the G-forces will um, render you unconscious. So. Poop yourself. So, but hey. But, uh, no, Nürburgring has one. I just can't remember what the turn's called, but it's uh, it's banked at about a 45 degree angle. Ah, okay. Yep. Um, and it's funny because, again, you play it on PlayStation and you can take that thing fucking fast. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't have to fix your car when you crash it either. So. Well, no, you don't bottom out either or you don't have to go around some crazy bastard driving a Ford uh, Transit. Yeah. Uh, what else happened in the race? It was interesting to see Ricardo managed to get past Marcus Ericsson on the last lap. Well, actually, it would have been interesting to see it if they had have shown it, but apparently he did. Oh, the, the camera work has been shit. Yeah, they need to standardise it and have their own production team that goes to every track and they sort of like what the UFC does with their broadcasting mm. where they take care of the production and they look after it all. But look, I mean... But Bernie, it, it even just has to be... Uh, it doesn't have to be every cameraman or anything. It just has to be one guy in the van choosing which camera to follow. Yeah, but the thing is, when you leave it up to the, the country to do it, they just show their own drivers. <laughs> when, the, when the country's got pretty crap drivers, you end up watching a lot of crap racing. Well, yeah. But, uh, you know, when Hamilton's 25 seconds ahead and they're ignoring all the fights at the back, um, we had Massa and Bottas going hammers and tops. You wouldn't have known it was even happening. What was the difference? They were like 0.3 seconds? Uh, Yeah, 0.36. 0.36. And I mean, that's an amazing effort from both those drivers. Yeah, which is about a car length. Yeah, and another lap, he would have got Massa um, with a different strategy. So it was really good for Massa to hold him behind there and get on the podium in front of the Tifosi who... Definitely showed him some adulation. Mm. Um, he hasn't, they haven't forgotten that championship he almost won for him. Well, for a few seconds he thought he had. <laughs> I'll never forget that. When, uh, for five minutes his old man had. <laughs> yeah, he, Ferrari is celebrating a loving life. They're like, yeah, we won. And then someone's gone, Glock's gone off on the last corner. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> and you just see them knowing the cameras are on them and just looking at the screen going, fuck. I love how you see that one random engineer just walk up to the wall and headbutt it. And then walk off. <laughs> <laughs> just walks up. Doosh. <laughs> Keeps on going. Um, so, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot else that happened in the race except for the post-race sort of... Scrutiny. Scrutiny that turned out to be now, fizzle. with that, it was funny um, reading comments, which is obviously never the greatest thing to do because yeah. um, all bar about 20 people commenting on any issue on Crash or F1 or... Uh, Fox Sports or ESPN are generally idiots. Well, it's... And I can put myself in that category. I don't know what the fuck I'm on about half the time. It's kind of like walking into a, a masturbation club room. Well, yes. You just surround yourself by wankers. Pretty much. And they kind of forget they're not in their own little cell. But yeah. um, it seems a lot of people are like, oh, this is bullshit, Mercedes are cheating, they should get fucking disqualified. And look, if they were cheating, yeah, yeah. they should. But uh, the plain fact is that when the tyres were fitted... There was a Pirelli engineer there yeah. who checked the tyre pressure, yeah. and as fitted, they were legit. Yeah. Um, now, maybe there was extra leakage around the track or whatever. I can't see how lower tyre pressures would be of any benefit. Uh, uh, if anything, higher tyre pressures would be beneficial, you'd think. But I, uh, I did hear an explanation for it, and I believe it was that particular tyre that would be beneficial having it lower because you've got mainly the fast right-hander, right-handers. Yeah, right. fast right-handers. So apparently that would have been a benefit having the extra grip on the more deflated tyre, if that makes sense, yeah. going around there. You but the at more point, contact area. point three PSI, it was negligible apparently. Yeah, and look, Mercedes don't need it, so it's a bit hard to accuse them of cheating for no reason whatsoever. No, and, and again, if Mercedes were able to 
have that tire lose exactly the amount of pressure they wanted yeah over what was it 15 laps yeah fair play to them because if you've got the best development technology as possible in a fucking tire valve yeah which probably hasn't changed much technology since 1963 yeah um but again i think it's a a mountain out of a molehill although i do remember seeing a gif that went around where they they uh captured the moment in the post-race conference where they asked uh, Vettel and Hamilton, did they realise that there was a scrutineering issue? Yeah. You see, Hamilton sort of um, grabbed the brim of his cap and pulled it down over his eyes just because he didn't want to give a reaction. Yeah. Vettel, like the Grinch, just this smile yeah. welled up and just came over his head. And then he's like, oh, you shouldn't ask Hamilton that question. That's not fair. But in, in his mind, he's like, I could win this. Well, you just know that he's remembering Monaco where Mercedes <laughs> fucked their own team and gave him a nice little podium there. So he's thinking, oh, this could be my lucky day again. And look, I'd love to see Hamilton get disqualified, but you don't want it to be unfair like that. You know what I mean? No, it was like um, uh, a couple of years back with Ricardo in his first um, RB racing in Melbourne. Yeah. And then he got DQ'd for post-race scrutineering for uh, fuel more flow. fuel flow yeah. that he should have had. Um, you know, that's horse shit. Yeah. Uh, that that was legit DQ don't get me wrong yeah but you know it's kind of like you've podiumed you've got your moment you, he's had his little speech and everything and yeah. love and life and then they're like oh by the way uh, this valve was open too much or whatever and yeah. again there was still arguments about average fuel flow versus what over what time you take it and uh, that was integrity of the actual flu- fuel flow sensors but look the rules are written before that race started they broke the rules and that was consequences that were already agreed upon so it's pretty black and white that one whereas this one they followed the procedures and mm. yeah kind of non-event really well yeah it's like if you get uh, a part knocked off your car and then they're like oh yeah you're, uh, you're underweight yeah it's like well yeah because I have my fucking rear wings back there <laughs> yeah so let me go get it and we'll <laughs> sort that shit out just tell them that Maldonado to give it back to me and <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> it's embedded in the back of Maldonado's fucking head because he did it again I'm going to miss Maldonado <laughs> no one misses Maldonado. That's the fucking problem. Well, see, he doesn't miss anyone. I want to see a racing league with like Takuma Sato and Maldonado and who's the other one? Was it Nakajima? Was the other crazy one? Oh, he was good. Let's have the the crazy league or something. That'd be that'd be awesome. It'd be drift. I've given Mario Karts. No, let them drive in the Utes. They get three balloons, <laughs> put them around the bumpers. No, put them in the Utes because that shit is good. fucking entertaining. Absolutely, and you can hang the ass out of those like a motherfucker. And they do, and they're fucking loose. Yeah. Um, if anyone has not seen the V8 Utes uh, drive in support of the Australian V8 supercars, yeah. check it out because those drivers are loose motherfuckers. Yeah, and if you're international and you don't even know what we're talking about, they're more or less a utility... What do you call it? Well, it's like a a regular sedan where they chop the, uh, chop the car off from the driver's seat back, well, and passenger seat, obviously, yeah. and then pretty much attach a tray. Uh, but the result is you get a rear-wheel drive car with no weight in the rear. And a Corvette engine, six-litre V8 stuck in the yep. front of it. So <laughs> you've got all this power, no rear weight, and they generally don't have anything more than a token rear wing. And because, a fucking hooligan behind the wheel. Yeah, and you get racing, and drivers who are either trying to prove they've got what it takes to make it to V8 supercars or even open-wheel racing. Or proving why they should not be let in V8 supercars. Yeah, or drivers who are pissed off they didn't make it. So when you're taking corners, they, they will drift, they will bang, they will crunch, and it's fucking fantastic to watch so uh, it's like 
uh, red bulled up fucking twelve year olds in Dodgem cars. It's fucking brilliant with 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 little experience <laughs> <laughs> and just zero fucks. It's like a whole bunch of pasta malinados is what it's like. So that'd be, that'd be pretty good. Although he probably got more of the same over in Formula E. So I'd like to see him still drive because uh, otherwise probably wouldn't have much to talk about in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to look at look at how many hours we've got out of talking about Maldonado's efforts in a Formula One Grand Prix. I I want to see him on PlayStation. Do you reckon he crashes often on PlayStation as he would in real life? I think your whole PlayStation just crashes. <laughs> so it is the Melanada crash. <laughs> Maybe he's played PlayStation too much and you've got that uh, rewind feature. Yeah. And he's like, rewind? Oh, fuck. Yeah, shit. <laughs> he's, he, they've actually added a replay button to his steering wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or he rage quits. Yeah. And the other thing we have to mention as well was the passing of Justin Wilson. It's been yeah. around a lot. If you saw that accident, it was I mean, fucking unlucky for starters. But just... But I don't know what you can do, you know what I mean? And that brings up the debate about the closed cockpits in Formula 1. Well, the, the thing with this, I, part of it, I believe, is that we went so long without um, a fatality and there was only really Massa, uh, Massa's injury yeah. that in, in between Ett and Senna's death and um, Ett and Senna and Rattensburger, obviously, up until, uh, who was it in IndyCar who died? Will Power... Um, was right behind that crash. Yeah, I know you're talking about it. I've got his name. Thing. But up until then, there was no fatalities. Now we're starting to see a couple. Yeah. But they're freak fatalities. Um, yeah. And there'll be people who have a lot more uh, engineering and safety knowledge than I do. We'll discuss it. But uh, I, I just wonder whether it's because drivers have been insulated from that potential uh, for a fatality that... They're taking risks that in the past they wouldn't have. And also, the cars are so much smoother now. Yeah. Like, you see the laps of, uh, you know, Ayrton Senna's uh, MP45, and the thing's fucking vibrating as hell. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. the drivers are, are coming out like they've just been in a washing machine. Yeah. Um, so, you to push for those extra parts, extra tenths, extra hundredths, just takes so much more out of you. Whereas now, it, the cars are steer by wire, generally. They, mm. um, they're a lot kinder in the way they treat the driver. There's yeah. a lot more padding for a start. Oh, they don't have to change gears with their left hand. They can do it on the steering wheel. But um, I just wonder whether the drivers have uh, sort of been removed from the consequence. Well, it's, a, it's a fucking dangerous sport. Well, I mean, they, they, I'm sure they would a little bit, but I think most of the accidents were just freak accidents. I don't think the driver could actually do anything about it, and it wasn't really on their fault, especially the Justin Wilson one. Like, yeah. If you watch it, the engine cover came off a car in front of him after a crash, mm. flew up in the air, and just landed straight on his head as he was driving past it at whatever speed he was doing. And, and IndyCar's fucking fast. Yeah, and fucking just killed him. If you watch it, it's yeah, it's it's horrific, really. And yeah. It's so fucking unlucky. And the thing was, I was actually chatting to a, an aeronautical engineer about this. and he Space said, Cadet. Well, <laughs> kind of. But he was saying that um, the comparison with aeroplane cockpits isn't quite right. Um, because you look at fighter cockpits. Yeah. They always have quite a bit of uh, space at the front. Yep. Like you see, even with the heads-up display, yeah. the start of the glass is normally like a couple of metres in front of the pilot. Yep. Uh, they, they could easily start it just where the pilot is and have metal out there because it doesn't add much to the, the pilot's... Um, vision yeah but the reason they have it there is because the primary thing they want to avoid is bird strikes because if a missile hits the cockpit you're fucked like, yeah doesn't matter but uh, if there's a a goose migrating south of the winter and you're hitting it at Mach 3 mm. probably best that doesn't kill everything yeah um, so the idea is that the cockpit actually deforms a lot 
Yeah. And that allows the the uh, force to be transferred through the whole chassis of the aircraft. Right. But the cockpit sort of deforms into a bubble. And it, instead of going horizontal, each uh, instance, each microsecond, Trans, yeah. it transfers the energy around the pilot into the right. chassis and also diverts the bird itself. So that in the end, it diverts it just enough that it clears the tail and you know, so kind of the same of the principle of doing a breakfall, really, where you're just transferring energy into the smallest points with minimal damage. In one way, but in the other way, it also the, the bubbling effect does also divert the body of the bird. Okay. Um, but it can depress up to two feet. Jesus. Account, by accounts. And that's why it's so far ahead. Yep. And they're saying that if you shrink it, uh, shrink it down so that it's only a couple of inches above the driver's head, yeah. if something hits the canopy, it's still going to hit the driver. Yeah. The force will be transferred right into the driver's helmet. Yep. And if it's something small and sharp, like... Uh, uh, a bit of strut that happened to hit center or even a, a coil I think it was that hit massa uh, yeah, the yeah, canopy won't make a difference it'll either go straight through it because yeah. it's too small and yeah. the weight is too concentrated yeah uh, and it'll be hitting a single point or it'll uh, deform the canopy enough that it'll hit the driver anyway and look, I, I do think that this is just a straight comparison between fighter playing cockpits which obviously a lot of uh design hours go into and mm. a lot of money but I, I do think that there can be a compromise that develops for Formula 1 well I think they actually already come up with one and it's going to be a halo yeah, I'll put the photo on um, on our on our website because uh, what they did they asked all the teams to come up with their own solutions and it's one thing that Formula 1 do quite often for um, problems because mm. they've got some of the smartest guys in the world working in the teams in their organisation so why not leave up to them so they put the task out there for each team to come up with a solution to the problem and I think Mercedes are the one that come up with the most viable, which was, it's not actually an enclosed cockpit. It's just an extra sort of um, bracing over the top. It looks like a halo. All right. And um, so you've more of a, a ring from sort of underneath your air intake above on the engine cover. And it comes out into the front on top, on top of the, or above the driver's head, and is supported by a, a pillar down the middle. And so you don't... Down the middle in front of the driver. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, it doesn't make any difference to the driver's view anyway, because if you look at the... Um, how the F1 cars are set up, where they've got the windscreen, there's a little dividing piece in the middle that goes Mm -hmm. up and back. Actually, I read this on F1 Technical the other day. I didn't really realize what was there, but apparently they've got a rule that the front of the cockpit has to make make an even line to the the engine cover that doesn't cut off the driver's head, if that makes sense. And so in front of the cockpit, that's where they got the little raised part because that's the point where it's measured from. Where if they took that part out, it's measured from the actual plane of the... Yeah, so if you put a straight edge on there and go to the intake, yeah. it can't hit the driver's yeah. helmet. So that little that little part that um, sort of they're looking around is already there anyway. They're already mm. It's already mm. for them, so it won't make any difference to their vision. It'll just add a little bit of extra um, extra safety in regards to big flying objects like um, what happened with Justin Wilson. But you're 100% right where the smaller ones is not going to make any difference, and I don't think they're trying to make it 100% um, safe. Just well, can't. Just minimalization and yeah, I, I look... I think it's probably a good idea and they do the other thing that they were sort of trying to do with this development that's going to come in in 2017 is make the cars look way cooler which I think is an awesome idea well I don't know why this wasn't thought for I'm still amazed that they haven't targeted kids like um, you know I've I've got a a youngling on the way and uh, 
one of the things I thought to buy was Matchbox cars. Yep. You cannot get a Formula One Matchbox car. Really? You can get the uh, the $190 die-cast uh, collector's cars. Yeah, yeah. But you just can't get the Matchbox car that kid can play in the sand with. Well, F1 are really slack with their merchandising. Like, it sucks. It looks horrible. They're shit with their accessible merchandising. fuck all of it. Actually, like, uh, the high-end stuff is brilliant. It's fucking you, awesome. The, if yeah. you want a, a coffee table made from the um, engine block of a Red Bull championship car, you can have it yeah. for, like, £30,000. But, you know, if I had $20 billion, then I would not blink an eye. But yeah. uh, part Put of... my shitter. Yeah, part of mass appeal is always getting merchandise into the hands of people who you want to buy tickets yeah, or you want them to turn up. But the and simple thing like making a cool shirt. The shirts yeah. look fucking shit house. Oh, they do. You don't want to, I don't want to have a shirt that their mechanics and their fucking team principals are wearing because they look shit house. It's just for their own sponsors. Give right. the fans something that's interesting to buy and you make a fucking killing. The last cool one I remember seeing was um, actually when Hamilton was at McLaren. Yeah. And yeah. they had the, the silver, white, and black. That was cool. And they um, had, like, that little orange accent as well. Yes. They were pretty cool. Like, the air vents under the arms and shit were orange. And, yeah. And the thing is, I actually bought an Alonso one because I thought it looked cool. I didn't even go for... Mac- well, I always liked McLaren, but I didn't like Alonso then. And I didn't like Hamilton either. So I didn't go for McLaren. I was going mm. for Red Bull. But I thought that looked cool, so I bought it. Because the rest of the merchandise just looks crap. And so I think they're missing the trick there. And Red Bull are usually way ahead with that sort of stuff outside of Formula 1. So I don't know what the deal is, but I think, yeah, they really lift the game there. Well, yeah, and I think it's Formula One in general. They on the high end stuff, they're brilliant. Like yeah. you've got the uh, the drivers' sneakers and stuff, and they're, they're cool yeah. looking. They've yeah, got awesome. the um, uh, everything from belts to but, uh, business shirts. But there's nothing for your regular bloke. But remember when they did the Red Bull did the space dive with Felix Baumgartner? Yeah, I've got that backpack. Yeah, that backpack. That was fucking sweet. <laughs> I, mean, I love that because oh, it looks awesome. like a, looks like a parachute. Yeah. And what when a great I get idea. On, when I get on the plane <laughs> with that, people do a double take and they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, well, man, if this shit goes down, I'm not dying. Like, what? You're going to bring your parachute? You fucking crazy, man? The problem is that if, if shit goes wrong and that plane actually does start diving, I can see other people just grabbing my backpack <laughs> yeah. going, fuck it, I'm out, diving out the window and then my jocks fly out or some bullshit. You see someone just start clipping onto you. <laughs> 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 Although if your plane's going down, give it a crack. Hey, just steal their steal their life belt, life vest. You'll be sweet then. Are you in the water? Yeah, you're on a little floaty island. Yeah, no Titanic for me. Yeah, he's got to survive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what else happened here? Well, the other thing with uh, Justin Wilson, um, we've just had uh, obviously Bianchi's tribute, mm. and uh, Ricardo said in Hungary he really bolts the wall. He left it all on the track. Yeah, Wilson was one of those guys that was respected by a lot of teams. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I'd always heard his name going around, and so I knew who he was. To be honest, I actually thought he was Australian. <laughs> it wasn't until I looked it up, I was like, "Hang on, he's British." Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, obviously, very sad passing, and um, he leaves behind a wife and kids, and yeah, yeah. I mean, and the Lewis left his iPod earphones in for the minute of silence, which was a bit of uproar about. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, I don't know. I mean, look, you're there to drive a race I'd prefer him to be focused on what he's doing driving at 300 k's an hour so another person doesn't die but you think someone would just give him a nudge to one of the other drivers and went hang on because like, obviously he's got ear, uh, earphones in and he can't hear what's going on just say with the middle of silence so, you know. well he was silenced one of those things where I, I think was anyone really offended by it and the answer to me is no because I'm pretty sure Wilson's um, family and everything gave zero fucks about that Yeah. Uh, and look if the papers didn't report on it at all nothing would have changed. Yeah. And um, one other thing with, with Lewis, he's got this habit of, 
announcing uh, his new funky haircuts and then refusing to show anybody. You mean fucked up haircuts? Like, yeah. Lewis should have his own style page, no, just as an example no. of what happens when you have fuck you money. It can be in the sun or something, some other bullshit, but yeah, anyway. Well, like a fat chick buying a thong. No one's going to see it. What's the point? <laughs> but I mean, with um, Hamilton has dressed like a dickhead for the better part of a decade. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm not any fashion icon by any means but oh you are a model for a little bit so I think you actually have a credible opinion on this one back I think uh, can, a few years back we, yeah I could have claimed that I think we can count this as a credible opinion um, yeah so in fact some 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 organisations would call you an expert I've been called an expert um, <laughs> just not in anything that mattered he's dressing like a twat yeah uh, but look if I, if I had his money which he'd be on crazy money uh, with endorsements and everything, he's pulling less than 100 million a year. I'd be surprised. Yep. Um, if someone gave me 100 million bucks once off, yeah, I would dress the way I fucking felt as well, because that's just fuck you money. If someone gave me 100 million bucks, I'd be Lotus's new driver. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you fucking me, love that? Just me and Pasta. <laughs> I would love you and Pasta. You gonna fuck up Grosjean? <laughs> well, well, I want to, you know, at least have uh, some chance of keeping my driver next season. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would just fucking love to do that to Pasta. Just rock up, and he's about got his helmet on, about to get in the car. I'm like, hold up, hold up, Pasta. What? What do you want? It's like. Uh, I got something here that says I'm the new driver. He's like, "What is that?" I'm like, "It's a check, motherfucker." <laughs> well, well, I'd be working on the theory that I'd win by way of finishing the turtle method. <laughs> the turtle method. <laughs> I would, the hundred seven percent rule might be tough. I think I'd I'd drive as fast as I could for the first lap, and then I'd just be like, "Well, these guys are faster yeah. than me, obviously. I'm just gonna have fun." So I'd, I'd be doing, you know, snakeies and maybe a donut here and there, and probably, you know, ignoring the black flag or some bullshit. I'd be looking for an exit out of the track to see if I can just <laughs> main, road yeah. <laughs> main road it. Main road Melbourne Grand Prix and uh, car number three, Jay Eddy, has managed to get onto Queen's Way, and he's gone to Crown. He's parked at Crown. Um, He's betted it all on black. He, he's put the Lotus F1 car on black. And it's won. Fuck, Lotus have won something this year. Big win. Um, the other thing, Mitch Evans won, uh, I think one of, his, one of his first races in GP2, won the sprint race. Uh, Mitch Evans, New Zealand fella. Um, so he's an Aussie. Yeah, Aussie. Under the flapper Mark Webber, actually. He's, um, Mark Webber's been sort of mentoring him for a few years now, even when he was in Formula 1. Uh, that's how I found out about, about him, to be honest. And, yeah, won uh, the sprint race after getting um, a penalty. I think it was for tyre pressures or It something. was, actually. It was very similar to what happened to Hamilton. Yeah, and he came out and said, yeah, love it. Love the consistency, guys. And he actually qualified in the front row, I think. Or, I can't remember where he was. Yeah, he was in the front row. And he got disqualified from qualifying and had to start at the back. Mm. And coming through to third, was it? Finished third, yeah. And took, he took his victory in the sprint race the following day. So, excellent resuming effort from the new Australian there. Um, look forward to seeing him, hopefully, in Formula One. He's, yeah, because yeah, he wouldn't be on a McLaren contract, so we'll probably see him get a good drive in Formula One, not just be sharp on the sidelines like the rest of the talent in GP2. That, to me, is kind of funny. And around He's now is where... Pavlich, actually. He does a bit. Yeah. Except yeah. his nose is straight. Yeah, just as big, though. Yeah, yeah he's got yeah. a fair honker. And, mind you, they're still getting shaded by Ricardo. So He's got Weber to tell him how to get around it. So. Uh, anyway, so Mitch did a good job. Um, hopefully we get to see him progress to Formula 1. Won't be next season, but probably another season there. And again, there's, <laughs> the talk about Lotus missing races. Yeah. Um, to me, that's... I I really can't see it happening. No. Um, because they're they're keeping costs down by not finishing races. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is a, a smart tactic and 
probably when you don't much choice when you've got Maldonado and Grosjean. Yeah. Um, the funny thing to me also is Grosjean, he could have been something. He yep. had his dumb moments, but uh, like last race, he well, the um, race before Monza, he showed quite a lot. Yeah, he drove consistently, drive. drove yep. smart, yep. did really well. And he seems like a nice guy, to be honest. He seems, you know, like genuine, friendly sort of person. Yeah. But it seemed like he was generally hurt when Weber stepped on the first lap nut case. He <laughs> <laughs> had to see a psychologist. Yeah. But I mean, it was true. So, But, you know, he took it on the chin and, and tried to improve. Oh, I, I can't give him too much crap about that. Well, I can, but uh, I probably shouldn't because I'd be exactly the same. Oh, if, I'd be fucking terrible, let's be honest. But, you know, we don't have to be. But that's why yeah. we're experts on a, on a fucking If you had your right foot in charge of a Formula One car, and I know I just... Again, playing PlayStation, yeah. I do this every time. You see everyone around you's got the brakes on as they're going yeah. into a corner, and you're like, fuck that, I'm taking up eight spots this here. This is my chance. And you, just, you just go all the way up, especially at Monza with that corner. You just go all the way up with like a fraction of your Actually, wheels on the track. If I got the car, I'd be going for the banked autodrome part. <laughs> like, fuck this shit. I'm going old school, guys. <laughs> I think they actually... Uh, keep it off so you'd have to go through the <laughs> the barriers which you know can be done yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I know Kimmy likes taking a few back roads here and there so I'll <laughs> just get him to show me the way you just need a couple of mates at the gates yeah and it's like alright when I'm coming up on lap 4 open that shit up and around you go well I Job. mean if you've got a bit of the mafioso there organise a little something something say after <laughs> I'm done you guys just take off with it <laughs> this big all's uh, fair big white van with the ramp down just like no I'm waiting for a mate Boom! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> back off I'm waiting for a mate <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, anything else from Monza? nah I think that's about it oh, some development stuff but only you see sort of the low downforce setups seeing how cars can run in um, low downforce setups pretty interesting you saw the f- continuation of the spoon wing from Mercedes which um, was first tried out in Spa but it's a common occurrence in Spa seeing the spoon wing so not a whole lot just cleaned up front wings um, skinny rear wings if you look at McLaren mm. still like DRS was pretty much irrelevant to them their wing was that skinny mm. Um, I'll put all the photos up with little descriptions about what's going on on our website. Um, the credit for the photos go out to the usual people like uh, Sutton and um, Auto Motor und Sport from um, Germany, who yeah. are one of the best sort we've, of We've got to credit them because they'll fucking sue our ass off. Yeah. Also, also over on the, uh, the forums, F1 Technical, I do a lot of research to them. The smart guys there. Um, so, yeah, I'll put all those photos up and with the credits. And yeah, they, a lot of those guys are crazy smart, like... Yeah, dudes, what what the fuck do you do with your lives? Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, legitimate uh, aeronautical engineers, and you know, yeah, they're giving that knowledge away for free. But you know, fair play to you, nice work. Yeah, most of it, to be honest, most of it goes over my head. But there, there's people there who are smart enough to put it in my retard terms that I can actually <laughs> understand it. So I'm just trying to pretty much be a source of information for you guys. But I'm not actually inventing this shit myself. Yeah, but um, next uh, we move to Singapore. Which, yep. if you're going to back up. Monza, the high-speed circuit, with yep. uh, a race that challenges drivers in all sorts of ways. Singapore is a brilliant way to do it. And it looks beautiful, too. Oh, it is. It's a it spectacular track, um, especially at night. Yep. Um, and there's so many little corners and, you know, the, the tunnel yeah. that test drivers every step of the way. There's no, no time where you can just floor it and sort of have time to uh, pull off the breakaway visor or anything. Yeah. Um, this motherfucker is on you all the time. Night race as well, which, which is another interesting element. And if you think these cars look good or bad, um, see them under lights and they look phenomenal racing around the streets of Singapore. And I think they've actually had a couple of tweaks to the circuit for this year. I think they, they've either tightened up or loosened up the chicane so that they can promote um, overtaking. But I can't remember if they tightened it up so they could promote overtaking into the chicane or if they loosened it up so they could promote overtaking 
after the corner after the chicane. Probably should research that, but yeah. So a little bit of a change yeah. there. Um, it's going to be a fucking crack of a race. Uh, Red Bull took their engine penalties uh, for, at Monza because they didn't have a good chance of going well there. So yep. they'll have fresh engines for Singapore. And you can look to them to be quite competitive, uh, I think. You should be fighting for up there in the points and good rub of the green, maybe get snag a podium. Well, yeah, I actually think Red Bull are looking pretty good for it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, they're going to really test um, test the way their chassis does. And yep. It also does depend on Renault, because they could easily say, well, Red Bull's fucking off, so they can kiss my ass. Yeah, um, well, and it's almost a certainty that's going to happen, I think, because Red Bull have... Um, well, Mercedes have officially said that they're not going to give him an engine, mm-hmm. and Red Bull have said they don't want Renault's engine, so it's pretty much going to be a Ferrari. So yeah, or and if Ferrari say no, then they Renault contractually have to give them an engine for next year. Yeah, so. but uh, for Ferrari, it makes sense because imagine Red Bull do go to Mercedes. Yeah, you've already got a fantastic chassis with a fantastic engine. Yep, they'll probably beat Ferrari. Yeah, so by Ferrari giving uh, Red Bull their engine, yep, uh, they make sure they've got a competitor that has uh, an engine no better than theirs. Yeah. And in, in fact, their works team will get the updates quicker, you imagine. And we'll be able to see like a, a Ferrari California in Global Rallycross or something now. <laughs> <laughs> Can block fanging one around. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> and the other thing is too, they get telemetry. Uh, part of the deal with all um, teams that have an engine, you have to supply telemetry back to the manufacturer because they need to know how to improve. Yeah. And they can't do that unless you give them telemetry. So they're going to have telemetry from their cars, which will include everything, like tyre pressures, uh, aero downforce, uh, loads on the suspension. Yeah. They probably won't get everything from Red Bull, but they'll get everything from the engine. So they can compare uh, second by second, you know, corner by corner, the loads on the engine between the two cars yeah. and work out, well, okay, the acceleration is coming on sooner in the Red yeah. Bull. Uh, how is that happening? And by using visual and telemetry, they'll be able to figure out, oh, okay, they've got more downforce in the front or uh, they've got a more uh, more rake or yeah. whatever. And look, they've got James Allison there. So to make the most of all the data. I don't think, yeah, there's going to be any problem with interpretating that data and figuring out what they... What they interpretating. Sort of yeah, interpretating my, my, <laughs> my English. Um but Allison's got his own design philosophy as well where they got the longer nose so it's a different philosophy and depending on how they change their um, setup for next season mm. um, it could just be down to different philosophies and maybe I know Sergio Marchione was at this at this race obviously with with being Italy and he's um, said during the season that he's got no problem with supplying Red Bull and engine um, the interview with him was actually quite interesting he's a very very switched on person as you would mm. imagine being CEO of, of Fiat who owned Ferrari um, yeah. so he said that they've got no problem supplying Red Bull with an engine and I think I mean it makes sense and Aruba Benny said he's got no problem because Mercedes came out and they said we're just not comfortable we've we've waited 60 years to be in this position and we don't want to give it up by supplying one of our rivals who's you know a credible rival with the ability to be able to beat us and Aruba Benny with much to his credit came out and said I back my, my team yeah, and my yeah. designers to beat anyone on this circuit, even if we give them our engine. I, I love that. I do think that was a little bit of um, uh, play in the media too. Cause well, he's also got no choice. So, Well, yeah. But it's, it's also a way to be like, well, here's a gauntlet. Yep. Fucking eat it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you've got to get in the heads of them a little yeah. bit. He's yeah. like, oh, you guys are scared. <laughs> and look, I mean, the Italians have, have never been uh, accused of not being confident. You know what I mean? So I like it. I think... You know, bring on the challenge, face it, see see what happens, and 
with a team that you've got at Ferrari and what they've done with this engine and this car, you've got no reason not to back them. Well, yeah, you've got the Italians who initially were going along with the Germans and then changed their mind. I've heard that happen before. It's happened a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I think they just pretend it didn't happen to. <laughs> but but um, it'll be funny because half the cars on next year's grid then will be Ferrari-powered. Yeah, but how funny would it be if Ricardo beats um, Vettel in, a, uh, in his Ferrari with a Ferrari engine in the back oh. of that Red Bull? <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I rate Ricardo so high, I think that'll happen. Yeah, I mean, I rate Ricardo so high, but I'm biased, so unashamedly. Yeah, um, I well, when they had the same car, he beat him. Yeah. Ricardo beat Vettel. Um, that's all you can really compare with apples to apples, but yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah. Um, and the other, th- well, when we look at next year's grid, you're going to have uh, Haas. Yep. Is going to be Ferrari. Yep. Uh, and Marussia. And they're going to be the like they've taken the maximum amount of Ferrari parts that they're legally yeah. allowed to take as well. Uh, Haas, smart for them. Marussia, Toro Rosso, Red Bull, Ferrari itself, mm-hmm. and uh, Sauber. So yep. six teams, 12 cars yep. are going to be running on Ferrari power. Um, so that'll be a nice little earner for them. So oh, much yeah. so that they're not going to really need to charge every team a lot. Uh, yep. They'll be able to make it up in volume. And yeah. If anyone's going to be able to do it, it'll be Ferrari, because that's what they do. High quality exactly. parts yep. in you know moderate volume. Obviously, it's not the same as, say, Ford, yeah. but... Um, making F1 engines rapidly... And, and they've made no bones their, about it thing. historically that they're all about engines. That's what they do. Mm. Yeah, and if they can get a bit of a sneak peek at what uh, Asian, how Asian U does things, it's certainly not going to hurt them. Yeah, they'll definitely do it. In fact, got a bit of a history of taking a sneak peek at what <laughs> other teams are doing, actually. Well, McLaren, the Spygate there. Well, I think... I'd Actually, that was at Singapore. Oh, no, that's where the, that was um, PK. PK is off... But yeah. um, I think Singapore will be really interesting. Um, the main thing uh, that I can remember is the most winningest driver there is uh, Vettel. And in the modern era, uh, Graham Lawrence um, had that in the older uh, pre-70s. Oh, 15 years it's been going for. That's quite incredible. No, they only started in... Oh, they've had 15 in total. Yeah, 15 in total. They started they in, back me. in 08, but they finished in uh, 73. Yeah. Um, and again, that was uh, Graham Lawrence won three times with uh, McLaren, Ferrari, and Brabham. Uh, another Kiwi. But um, yeah, Sebastian Vettel won 11, 12, 13. Hamilton's won 2009, 2014. So if he wins this, he draws equal with Vettel, and he'd be pretty keen on it, because um, I dare say those two have uh, a bit of to and fro. Yeah, I think one more win he gets past Senna, or he, that last win got him past Senna. Uh, I feel like he's equal Senna, but he needs one more to get past yeah, him. Yeah, which I mean, he'll definitely get. But even he said, you know, just no point comparing because, I mean, obviously he passed away before his career was done. <coughs> yeah, but... And it's um, possible to compare generations in... It is good that you, you will see Hamilton go out balls to the wall and Vettel as well, because yep. Vettel wants to... Uh, keep every record he possibly can. Yeah, and also it's a street circuit. So you have those little unpredictable variables such as bumps, and um, it gets really. I remember there be always been lots of leaves on the track. And yeah. It gets a bit dirty. Yeah, and also at night, obviously you got a bit cooler air, but in Singapore it's still probably humid as fuck. So I mean, you'd assume that the turbo engines would be more efficient, maybe more power. Hmm. But I think you get the sort of the, yeah the excitement from a track that is green when you first get on it because it's a street circuit mm. and. Uh, only rubbers in through that weekend and constantly improves and the races generally have a lot of excitement. And if you remember last year, Hamilton got the Triple Crown. He got the, the pole uh, 
first and the fastest lap. Yep. But uh, second was Vettel and third was Ricardo, and Ricardo was right at Vettel's arsehole. Yeah, that's right. Um, just uh, he didn't have the quite have the tyres to get around. He had a late pit stop mm-hmm. and just couldn't couldn't quite get him. He probably needed another couple of laps. But yeah. uh, he did a brilliant drive then, and I think we're going to see uh, another rush from Ricardo. Um, yeah. Like I said, he'll sort of uh, make it a tribute to Wilson in his own right, and he'll be pushing as hard as he can. It'll be interesting to see how Kvyat does. Um, yeah. Because Kvyat's had a pretty good last few races. Yeah, he has. He's done well. He's done very well. And you'd have to think they're both safe for next year. Well, he's been uh, more both signed. as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're signed on for next year. Yeah. But there's going to always be... Any driver is only six races away from getting sacked. Yep. You have six bad races in a row unless you're paying a, uh, to be a driver. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You're probably going to struggle for next year. Yeah. Yeah. So beating your teammate has to be your primary goal. And I think Kavir would fucking love to get one on Ricardo on a, su- a circuit that suits Red Bull. Yeah. And especially um, like a straight up um, head-to-head battle, not yeah. one with varying strategies and yeah. um, sort of debilitated cars. Yeah. Um, and Ricardo, while he got third last year, he has crashed out at this circuit a couple of times too. Yeah. Uh, especially coming into that tunnel. But I think we're going to have a brilliant race. Yeah. Hopefully we get a bit of rain too because that always makes it interesting at Singapore. Mm. Mm. There'll always be a little bit of moisture. Um, and that actually it gets uh, dewy as the race goes on. So anytime you're off the racing line, you'll pick up the dew as well as the marbles, oh, yeah. which is why you see drivers going to the wall coming to that uh, tunnel. Yeah. Because obviously the tunnel doesn't get as much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic race to watch, especially because it's at a relatively good time. Yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's not at 4 a.m. like fucking Brazil. Uh, what is it? Is it this weekend or is it next weekend? It's next weekend. Next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's about it, isn't it? Yeah. Where so it um, hopefully everyone will enjoy the Singapore GP and, yep. you know, your favourite driver will do all right. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Good luck. Catch you. Peace.